This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Colorado Hunting Hub. This podcast is designed to talk about everything hunting in Colorado. Whether you're a new hunter, old timer, or something else, Colorado Hunting Hub will have something for you. I'm your host, Clint Whitley. And let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Colorado Hunting Hub's podcast. This is episode three and the second episode in our Hunt Planner series. And if you haven't found it already, I put the Hunt Planner part one in the description. So click on that, put some effort into this, so hopefully it's useful for you. But it's got a table of contents there that if you hover over or click on things in the podcast or the, sorry, the table of contents, you can click to that link and it'll send you to that different portion. And uh, there's a getting started checklist, some things to do initially, and then those goals we talked about in the last episode. You can go ahead and place, answer some of those questions, add something else to it. I think every one of those pieces is there for a reason to help guide your guide, your research along. And then uh, we're on in page three of that hunt planner is where we're leaving off or where we left off. And just a couple of the little housekeeping things. Uh, let me know if you can't find that link doesn't work or something. I can help you out uh, in some way, email it to you directly. But if you have any questions, comments, or something fun to share, uh, my email address is Clint dot a dot whitley at gmail.com that's c-l-i-n-t dot a dot w-h-i-t-l-e-y at gmail.com uh i'm ready to after we get done with this start doing some hunting stories and some specific things to colorado uh well this is all specific to colorado but but uh you know what i mean uh got the phone with someone today about this podcast and Stay tuned. I think I got some neat things for you and uh, a way to grow what we're doing, even though I just started. So one of the things that you can do is follow me on Instagram, 
CL underscore Whitley uh, on Facebook. It's Colorado Hunting Hub. And then one of the outlets, obviously, you know how to find the podcast if you're even hearing this. Uh, but if you would, do me a solid and subscribe. And then like with a five-star review, please. Uh, that would really help the algorithms and uh, get our voice out there some more. So I did notice uh, a bunch of Michigan listeners. So shout out to you, Michigan listeners. Looks like there's going to be some more Michigan hunters coming this way. So thanks for that. Uh, Also, so you know, this is all self-funded. I have a teacher salary and I'm funding this myself and, and the time. So I looked into Podbean. Podbean is what I run my uh, podcast through, and uh, um, they have some options there for helping to fund it from the listeners through some donations, but that requires me to go up to the even more expensive uh, membership with them. So if by chance you get something out of this and it's worth your time and listen, then uh, uh, send some. Uh, help help me out. Um you can Ven- Venmo me. Uh, it's at Clint Whitley on Venmo. If you like like any of that, then get uh, send me a buck. Send me five bucks, whatever, uh, if that's worth your time. Uh, but otherwise, I'm self-funding this out of my teacher salary right now. Let's get on to with the purpose of episode three. And that is uh, our Hunt Planner series. And I want to do a rundown of CPW and trying to help those uh, that come here. Cause this is one of the most intimidating things. If you are coming here or I know a lot of lifetime hunters in Colorado that don't pick up the brochure and they don't read it. Uh, and so I had a conversation yesterday with somebody that said, eh, I don't know if you can do that. Show me. Uh, and they were wrong. Uh, it's just a, a honest mistake that, that a lot of people have by not reading into the rules and regulations. So you really got to just pay attention to this. So I'm going to do just a quick rundown of those regulations. And here's my disclaimer. I am not speaking for CPW. I am just speaking as someone to help you guys out and help myself out. This got me to read them again. And I learned a couple more things. So uh, don't hold me accountable for any of these specific things. If you have a question, Go look it up yourself. Uh, it's not going to mean a thing to a game warden if you said, well, I heard on this podcast they said you could do that. Uh, I'm looking at the handbook here, so I shouldn't be telling you anything out of out of line. But in case I get something or you interpret it a different way, go figure it out yourself or go to that page. So first thing I wanted to do is help you out with the CPW website. CPW.state.co.us is where I'm at. And uh, just clicking through a couple of these tabs to help you out. They've got things to do, learn, places to go, about us, and buy and apply. So under the things to do uh, is kind of where you're going to find most of the stuff. And there's a hunting tab there. Uh, Under that hunting tab is where you're going to see a lot of the most recent videos posted that are worth a watch. It shows some of the the new things that that they've come out with. Uh, Click on... The If you scroll down to come hunt with us, there's big game hunting information, small game turkey, waterfowl. There you can click on your species-specific thing uh, that you're trying to, to come to Colorado or, or hunt here in Colorado. So the also under the things to do, we have the big game season dates. 
and this is all on the uh, Hunt Planner Part 1 document that I shared with you. So you can just click on those links. I got it all available. Also under things to do is the OHV registration or off-highway vehicle. So if you have a four-wheeler or UTV, you've got to get that registered. You can get that from there. The next tab over is learn. And there's some really neat things I've used with students on here about some different research. Uh, but the main thing is a hunter on here is the hunter ed. So if you need your hunter ed, click under on the hunter ed tab under learn. Next is the places to go. There is, that's where you can find the CPW offices. Here's where the really valuable maps are. The game management unit maps are under there. And that's really, really valuable. And then also the CPW hunting atlas. I use that as well. And then, uh, the, I'm not worried about the about tab, but the buy and apply, that's where you spend all your money. So that's, that's uh, your main area to actually applying for your tags. Let's go on to the handbook or the uh, brochure itself. I picked up the 2020 Colorado Big Game Magazine handbook. And this kind of has a comprehensive for most species, but if you're turkey hunting, you might want to pick that one up. So this kind of gives, I think, the majority of the hunters uh, what we need. So open it up to page one there. That's where you're going to find the what's new. I always read this. I know I don't always read through the whole magazine every year, but I do pick up the what's new and I do read that. So the what's new this year is that there is a secondary draw. Uh, so a primary draw already happened and you can see those dates on the very front page where it says primary draw, April 7th, secondary draw, July 7th. So, uh, the secondary draw is another opportunity which replaces the leftover list and then uh, the other newish thing is that you have to have a qualifying license. That was uh, from last year. So you have to now buy a small game, a turkey tag of some sort before you can apply for these, these licenses. And there's a little more to it than that, but that's the, the general thing. Uh, any licenses that remain after the second draw will then be placed on a leftover list and those can go on purchase in August. Uh, one little note that unsuccessful options have been removed. So before you would say you wanted this tag, but if you didn't get it, they'd give you some unsuccessful options. That's not a thing anymore. Then there's a whole big game season restructure. So 2020 to 2024, they've changed the season date. So don't think it's the last weekend that Archie Elk opens up. It is now September 1st. Uh, and then float group changes. This is a big question I see on uh, I Hunt Colorado. You see people asking about what's this float thing? So sometimes for different game management units, they have uh, for season one, then season two, or sorry, second season, uh, they have one quota for that entire area, but it is this, they call it the float uh, quota or whatever it is. So you, you, you have these numbers that uh, is the quota for, doesn't matter what the whole season is. This is how many they're giving out. And then there's a whole cool looking bear paw that they put. So if you see that symbol next to an archery or muzzleloader uh, season, and that's only some archery and muzzleloader uh, seasons for deer and elk, you can add on a bear. 
for that same same sort of weapon of choice. So that's pretty neat. Uh, season choice options for moose. I like this a lot. Uh, it was already kind of there, but there's it's a little bit more defined. So uh, if you apply for these, you can then... It's not a season specific. So if you draw one of these moose tags, you can go hunt moose and archery, muzzleloader, and then rifle if you're not successful. Because that's something I always, always like to do. If I, when and if I draw a moose tag someday, I want to chase it with a bow. And then if that doesn't work later on, I can go back with a rifle. So that's kind of the majority of the what's new. Moving on to uh, page two and three, just some definitions, some opportunities for planning your hunt, uh, and then definitions if you're not sure what a GMU is. Uh, if you're from a state that allocates tags by county or area, our area that we designate tags and hunting areas are, are called GMUs, uh, Game Management Units. So there's some definitions there for you if you're not sure. Page four, you need to, for license options and availability, you have to purchase a qualifying license, uh, which means that you have to buy an annual resident or a non-resident license, small game or fishing. And once you have that, you can then purchase a habitat stamp, which then will allow you to purchase a big game tag. So if you are uh, trying to buy a big game tag, it won't let you. Uh, I think the system does a pretty good job. And you don't even have to worry about the habitat tag stamp because it'll automatically throw it on there. So, But you know in the system you have to go and add a small game license first. So... That's a common thing across Western states is having to buy a license first before you apply and they aren't refundable. So, uh, you're going to spend that money on top of that $700 if you're a non-resident. Then that, uh, also that same change we just talked about primary draw. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Is, has already happened. Secondary draw opens up June 5th. And, uh... In the second draw, you cannot apply for any preference points. Those are only in the primary draw. Uh, and if you do apply for prime, secondary draw, you're not going to be using up any preference points either. Uh, and then youth, if you're a youth or have a youth, 12 to 17 years old, they receive priority for all these licenses. So that's a pretty good opportunity. And then any license remaining after the second draw will be placed on the leftover list and available for purchase in August. I'm still on page four here, down the left-hand side. Leftover limited license uh, are over-the-counter, so there's that option for a license. And then there is uh, those. There is a cap to some license, and then there's your typical over-the-counter. So there's some important dates there that you can see uh, that... Don't plan on showing up here during certain seasons in the middle of the season and expect to buy a tag. Uh, 
without walking into the CPW office. Yes, you can buy tags at Walmart, but there's a cutoff date to a point that if you want to buy that tag, don't think you're going to show up at nine o'clock at night, Walmart, buy a tag and go out the next day. You've got to wait till eight o'clock in the morning when CPW office opens, walk in there and get your tag. So be careful with, with that. If you're curious about how non-residents licenses are allocated, that's on there as well. And then moving over to page five, here's the prices. Pay attention to that. Uh, we There's a new decrease in bear prices. Dig, that's what I'm excited about. Residents down to 39 bucks. Non-residents down to 100 bucks. So that's a good deal. Uh, but what you need to buy a license, do not forget this if you're coming out of state. Uh, that you have to have your ID and you have to have your proof of hunter education. I wonder how many people every year find out they can't hunt because they didn't bring their hunter ed card or they lost it years ago. Contact your state agency and try and find that uh, place on their website where you can go and, and get a new one. Even if it was back in 1970, there's record of it somewhere in that state agency. You also have to have a habitat stamp, but again, don't worry about that. It'll automatically get thrown on your license. I bought my turkey tag the other day, and the guy just threw it on there. Uh, and then your qualifying license before you buy a tag, which we talked about. Uh, license requirements. You must have a license to hunt. Sign it and carry the original with you while hunting. Sign it. Don't forget to do that. I got my wife's turkey tag as well yesterday, and... She signed it, and I signed mine. Uh, not the carcass tag down below, but the, the part right in the middle. And you must carry your proof of hunter education with you unless you go to the CPW office and get that verified, and then you don't have to carry that anymore. Uh, Non-residents can continue to use their combo fishing license after harvesting a big game animal. As soon as the carcass tag is the only part of the license that has been detached, the rest of the license must maintain intact. Fishing license is good till March 21. Uh, my dad did that just the other day. He came here and we fished because he bought an elk tag last year and had the ability a uh, fishing license on there as well. So we went and did a little trout fishing. Flipping the page to page six, residency. Uh, you got to be in the state for six months before you can get resident prices. Page seven, some other license options for landowners. There's some stuff here, uh, but for hunters, you'll see things online about vouchers, people asking if there's any sort of voucher available. And uh, what that is, is landowners of a certain amount of land can apply for a certain amount of tags and they can then uh, hand those out as they please. So there's a, there's a, some options there for landowners to be giving those out, or I think they can sell them is, is what I think they can do. So, um, and then there's also auction and raffle license. So you can put your dollars in towards some different things there. Uh, and then look down below, there's a special license for hunters with disabilities, mobility impairment, and those sorts of things. Okay. Moving on to page eight. Um, if you're curious about refunds or reissuing tags or exchanges, there's information in there about how to do that. Uh, page nine, preference points. This is where people are always curious about what, what uh, 
is the procedure and how do we, uh, how do you go about, um, getting preference points and whatnot. So, uh, one preference point is awarded per species applied for if you do not draw. Now you put that into your first choice and if you draw, you use your points. If it's your second choice, then you don't lose your points. Um, youth can add up points as well. Preference point hunt code. There is a, if all you want to do is apply for a preference point and not use any of your points or even draw, there is a whole code that you can use for that, for that species. And I've used that many times. If you're issued a first choice license, all accumulated preference points for that species will be void and returned to zero. I've seen over and over again stats where people are blowing eight points, nine points on something that a tag that you could get with two, and it's kind of sad. So be very careful with your points. Don't lose them. I've got a buddy that was racking up all kinds of points, and a while back, something changed in the regulations, and they lost them. So uh, you, you don't want to lose that. you got a lot of time and years uh, and, and money invested in those. And then uh, under preference point number five, points accumulated until you draw a first choice license. Man, they state that over and over again in a different way. Uh, you can do that for any 10-year uh, period. All those points will be void after a 10-year period of not applying. Down below there, they've got a, the new thing as of last year where your preference point for sheep, goat, moose is an option to pay for. Otherwise, it's $100 for a non-resident, $50 for a preference point for a resident. And you can apply for the tag. And if you are successful, you, you, you pay for the tag. If you are unsuccessful, you have an option to pay for the point or not get a point and not pay for it. So you have to weigh those options. If you have I see some people that if they have 20 points, why buy more points? Because uh, they're going to draw at some point. So uh, th there's different ways to look at that. And this is a game. Preference points are games and strategy. And I've seen some things online just recently, guys, uh, busting out spreadsheets. And I've done spreadsheets on these things, trying to play the game and figure out the trends. And uh, if you're interested in data, there you go. There's an outlet. Uh, preference point fee up above. That's what I just explained with those points. For the big three, I like to call the moose, goat, sheep, weighted preference points. So if in the first few years, you don't go in the drawing at all. You just get your preference points. Once you have three points for moose, goat, or sheep, you then go into the drawing with everybody else. After three points, you have uh, weighted points. So you'll hear guys say, I have 10 points. Well, is that 10 weighted points or is that seven weighted points? Because your first three didn't really count. Uh, it just got you into the pool with everyone else. So the weighted preference points are what, uh, really get you, or you don't get into the drawing unless you have some weighted points and they become weighted after that, uh, third year. And you get in, draw, into the drawing for that third year. So moving on to page 10. Hunt codes. 
this looks super intimidating until you look at it uh, and understand this part. So if you flip ahead in the in the brochure, you'll see all these numbers and symbols and things. Uh, but it actually makes a lot of sense. So here's how to read them. We've got a deer uh, code, hunt code. And so it's got a DM01102R. So that D is for deer. M is for the sex of the animal, male. Uh, so we got to shoot a buck and the unit is 11. And then it is not a zero, but an O, uh, O2. That means it's second season. And then we're going to hunt with a rifle, which is R. Uh, and then we have the different columns and things, which you can see on the next page, where in all those li limited license charts have the unit on the left, and this is how I navigate those. I first find the unit I want to hunt. Then I find the, uh, because it's unit 11, um, the valid units under that tag are not just 11, but they're 211 as well. And then the dates, that's the season that I want to hunt. And I want a buck tag. And then I find the hunt code. And then I enter that in. And uh, that's the tag I'm applying for. And then there's list ABC, which we'll get to a little later. But you'll also see some little symbols in there. If there's a square bullet in the unit column, that's a special note to say that there's something about that unit. You got to pay attention. That's probably something about private land only. So you don't want to end up with a tag that's a private land only. And then if there's a plus sign in the sex column, that means that it took an average of at least six points preference. So yeah, you really got to pay attention to see how many points there are uh, to, to draw these things if you really want to come out here. Next, there's some general information, page 11. For some reason, somebody shoots a moose, I guess, every year because they thought it was an elk. I don't know how that's possible. I saw a moose once from, it had to have been 2,000 yards away, but you can see that big black thing, and it was a moose. People are always misidentifying. So uh, know that we got moose here. Don't shoot one. Also, if you're in an area of Colorado with whitetails and mule deer uh, and Typically, uh, most of our tags are just a deer, so that makes it open for both, but we do have whitetail only seasons. So if you come up on a deer and all you got is a head and neck, sometimes those can be a little difficult to identify. Or if you just don't have a trained eye on whitetail versus mule deer, that can be tricky too. So make sure you're identifying uh, whitetail versus mule deer. And for the most part, uh, the front range, the plains is the main area where... Uh, Pretty much all those whitetail tags are. Page 12, uh, big game hunting hours, one half hour before sunrise to one half hour after sunrise. Uh, some other hunt programs that are there, new as of last year-ish, I believe, is there's a shed hunting closure west of I-25 on public lands. You can't pick up sheds till May 1st. Boy, is that a touchy subject. Uh, I would be doing that right now instead of probably doing a podcast, but I can't get out because I've got another half a month to go. Ranching for wildlife tags. That's another option for Colorado residents only. It's private land that uh, private landowners have opened it up to draw only tags. And then if you're fortunate enough to be able to have the money to do a guide or an outfitter, know that those guides and outfitter have to be registered and bonded and insured in Colorado. They need permits to operate on that public land. So all of that information on who has done that is available 
online because you don't want to be going and paying someone that's doing things under the table. That can get you in a lot of trouble uh, as well, even though you may not be in the know. You can get in trouble for that. Page 13. Uh, it's good to mark your harvest with your GPS, especially if it's a bobcat or a mountain goat or something. That is all tracked. So mark it so that you can show where the latitude and longitude is. Ear tags and uh, radio collars. If you shoot a big game animal with a collar or ear tag, report the number. I found a dead cow moose a couple years back. Uh, contacted the biologist and got all the data off of the, the radio collar. Really interesting to see the movements of where this cow was before it died. And she said I could keep it. So that uh, radio collar, which is void and no use to them anymore, is hanging in my garage. It's kind of neat. Uh, also, off-highway vehicles or OHVs got to be registered if you're bringing one of those. Accidental kills. If you accidentally kill a animal that you don't have a tag for, you're going to get a crap load of trouble if you're not reporting that. So make sure that uh, you call. You're going to get a lot less fine. You're going to get a ticket. I almost guarantee it. But uh, it'd be a lot less big deal if you're trying to hide it. Uh, certified hay. If you bring horses, know that it has to be certified and bring hay across state lines. Uh, you got to be careful with that or can't do it at all. Uh, and then if you are bringing horses, you got to know they got to come with a certificate of health in, uh, inspection, a carcass blood test. Uh, you got some things to do with your vet. But page 14, here's our hunting laws, kind of the, the main deal for the whole point of this podcast. Uh, so take a look at that. Centerfire rifles, which is most of people weapon of choice coming here to hunt a big game species. They must be a minimum of 24 caliber, uh, must have a minimum of 16 inch barrel, uh, minimum of 16 inch barrel and be at least 26 inches long total. If semi-automatic, uh, maximum of six rounds, uh, must have expanding bullets that weigh a minimum of 70 grains for deer, pronghorn bear, 85 for elk and moose, which is teeny. I shoot a 180 and a minimum energy in foot pounds there. It is legal to hunt big game birds with a center rifle, center fire rifle larger than 0.23 caliber. So can't use your 30 out six to shoot a grouse. And then if you, but if you do have a small game, a fur bear or an unfilled big game license, you can shoot, uh, use that to hunt um, game birds and small game animals. Uh, fully automatic rifles, duh, not prohibited or they are prohibited, uh, muzzleloader rifles and smoothbore. This is a big one for muzzleloader hunters. Only legal muzzleloaders allowed in muzzleloading season. Inline muzzleloaders are illegal. Are legal. Sorry. Inline muzzleloaders are legal. Must be single barrel that fires a single round ball or conical projectile. Conical means it's cone shaped. Uh, to hunt deer, pronghorn, bear, conical bullets must be a minimum of 40 caliber and round ball bullets must be a minimum of 50 caliber to hunt elk or moose conical bullets must be a minimum of 50 caliber and round ball bullets must be a minimum of 54 from 40 caliber to 50 caliber bullets must weigh a minimum of 170 grains next if greater than 50 caliber 
bullets must weigh a minimum of 210 grains. H uh, shot shell primers and bore lock MZ system bullets are illegal. Pelletized powder systems are prohibited during the muzzleloader season. Next, cannot be loaded from the breech during muzzleloader season. Next, only open or iron sights allowed in muzzleloader season. Fiber optics and fluorescent paint incorporated into or on open or iron sights are legal. Scopes or any sighting device using artificial batteries, electronic gear prohibited during those muzzleloader seasons. Sabots are prohibited during muzzleloader season. Smokeless powder is prohibited. Electronic devices as well, and that not legal. If for some reason, you're coming to hunt big game with a shotgun. Uh, it's got to be 20 gauge and fire a single slug, no buckshot, and it must be certain length. Our bows, uh, they need to have uh, bows with a broad head. Obviously, you're going to be shooting a broad head. They got to have a minimum of seven eighths inch outside diameter. Minimum draw weight of 35 pounds and a max let off of 80%. You got to watch some new bows. They'll have a bigger let off. Uh, scopes and electronic uh, battery power devices cannot be incorporated onto your bow with exception of lighted knocks. Lighted knocks are okay on your arrows. Recording devices are okay, uh, but you can't have anything that casts a light. You cannot have any range finding system sights on your bow crossbows uh draw weight must be a minimum of 125 pounds you can take a look at that if by chance you're bringing a crossbow it doesn't work in the archery season handgun uh there's some laws there and no electronic calls so what methods of take can you use there's a whole chart here in a way you can use the lesser uh method of take for that season so for deer, let's say, during archery season, you can only use a handheld bow. No crossbow, no muzzleloader, no rifle. Duh. Um, but during muzzleloader season, you can use just a muzzleloader. During rifle season, you can use any of the above. A centerfire rifle, a muzzleloader, a handheld bow, or a crossbow. Uh, for deer, that's it. But if you go to elk, and you're wanting to use, during rifle season, you cannot use a 40 to 49 caliber uh, muzzleloader. You can use a 50 caliber muzzleloader. So take a look at that chart. Audibly, this chart probably doesn't make a lot of sense, but it tells you what method of take you can use in what season. Page 15 is the, you can't do this, you can't do that part, uh, which is kind of important to know. And there's three there that that uh, are kind of scary and bold. Uh, they're pretty easy not to break. Uh, but there's felony offenses. It is a felony offense to kill and abandon a big game. Uh, to kill and abandon big game. It is illegal to remove only the hide, antlers, or other trophy parts and leave the carcass in the field. You don't want a felony offense. That'd be a bad deal. Second felony offense, to sell, buy, or offer to sell out or buy big game. So no exchange of goods or services, money to uh, for big game. Third felony offense, to solicit someone to illegally kill, 
big game for commercial gain or providing outfitter services without required registration. That's where that outfitter's got to have a license. It is also against the law to have a loaded rifle shotgun shotgun, uh, in your vehicle. Muzzle-loading rifles are considered unloaded if the percussion cap or shot shell primer is removed. Five, it is against the law to carry firearms on an, on your OHV during deer, elk, pronghorn, bear season unless they are unloaded in the chamber and magazine. So you have to, all your firearms, the rounds have to be out of the magazine or they separate. They need to be separate from the rifle. Uh, so I'd take my magazine, stick in my pocket if it's an external magazine or if it's my bolt action. Without that, I uh, have to uh, take all the rounds out. Six, it is illegal to establish a permanent structure or plan on CPO and W land. Uh, it's illegal to hunt carelessly or discharge a firearm or release any arrow disregarding human life or property. It is legal to operate or ride a snowmobile with a firearm unless it's completely unloaded and cased. It is against the law to shoot from or use motor vehicle to hunt. Uh, can't use aircraft, drones. Um, you cannot, it is against the law to use unmanned or remote controlled drones. Oh, that's that one. Uh, can't use live action game cameras to locate, surveil, or aid or assist in locating or surveilling game in order to take, try and take game while like during the same or following day. So if you have a cell camera, you cannot have that out there, get a picture from it, and then go shoot that thing. That's what that just said. Uh, another thing on drones uh, that you can't use them. You cannot hunt under influence of alcohol or controlled substances. Uh, you cannot use artificial light as an aid in hunting for big game. You cannot uh, use poison drugs or explosives. Um, it is also against the law to fail to extinguish a campfire completely. Just saw someone who didn't do that the other day. Uh, you cannot. It is against the law to fail to have a responsible or a reasonable attempt to track and kill you got to follow up with your shots. It is against the law to fail to reasonably dress, care for, or prepare edible wildlife meat for human consumption. Then there's a chart here about fluorescent orange and pink. You have to have a hat of some sort, a head covering that is solid orange, cannot have camel camel orange or camel pink, and then uh, a solid piece for your upper body there. So that's got to, and it can be orange or pink. It is illegal to hunt with rifles, handguns, or shotguns during a single slug or archery equipment uh, or archery equipment within 50 feet on each side of the center line of a highway or county road. Uh, you cannot discharge your firearm or release an arrow from any public road. Party hunting is not legal. Uh, you cannot interfere with hunters. You cannot... Uh, uh, sorry, it is illegal for two or more people on the ground in a vehicle to uh, use electronic devices. You cannot hunt with dogs. You cannot hunt big game over big bait. You cannot kill cubs or bears accompanied by one or more cubs. You cannot hunt bear bears in dens. 
it is legal to have a carcass, hide, skull, or claws, or parts of a bear mountain lion without a valid hunting license or until authorized by CPW. It is legal to sell, trade, barter, or offer to sell, trade uh, bear gallbladders. That probably reaches up into the felony area at some point. Um, you cannot hunt on private land without obtaining permission. Uh, is legal to post, sign, or indicate that public lands not under exclusive control or lease are private. Uh, it is legal to use state land board, blah, blah, blah. That's not the common thing that everyone needs right there. So moving on to page 16, bag limits. You can uh, shoot a coyote if you have a big game license that's not filled. And then here's your directions for your tag. It's called a carcass tag. Uh, when you buy it, you need to sign that little spot right above the little barcode thing where it's a signature. And then when you are, after you kill something and you go right up to it, the first thing that has to be done is you detach the tag. That must happen. Detach it and then uh, date it, sign it, and you date it by notching out the little uh, the month and the day, and you carry that with you. Uh, I carry it with me, and then once I get to the vehicle, I attach it to it. So that is always with me in case I gotta uh, show a game warden. The next thing is a little little tricky for some people is evidence of sex. After you've made your your kill, uh, you have to leave evidence of sex. So. You can leave the whole animal whole, you can gut it, and as long as the head and antlers are attached, that works. Uh, but if it is a doe or a cow, you have to leave some reproductive portion attached. A bear, doesn't matter, you have to leave something available or attached uh, there. So that can be a little tricky sometimes. What I do when I'm quartering out one side, I leave a piece there, so if I if I accidentally cut it off or screw it up, I just uh, do it on the other side. And so you've got a piece of that uh, reproductive organ attached to one of the hindquarters. Transporting game, be careful of that. If you're going across state lines or going anywhere, taking someone else's animal, you need to be careful with that. If you're donating game meat, be careful with that. Know that you have, if it's more than 20 pounds, you've got to do something. Uh, youth hunting. I don't have a, uh, I have a two-year-old. He's not hunting yet. So actually, I don't know much about youth hunting, but I do know there's a lot of opportunity. So, and their seasons are long. And uh, so if you have a kid that's able to hunt, take a look at some of these things. There's some, there's some good stuff. Then there's the, I'm onto page 19, the hybrid draw. This gives you an opportunity to get another opportunity to a, um, a hard to get tag. So if you have uh, five or more points, yep, uh, you'll automatically get drawn into these. So you can look at that. That only applies to you if you've been applying for and got five points. All right, here's where you get your tags, page 20. So the first species here is deer. Each species here has the season dates and then some different need to knows on specific areas. Then there's this list A, B, C. This can be confusing for people. You can only have one list A tag. You can have two tags if it is an A and a B or a B and a B. And then uh, you can get any number if they're a list C. For deer, most people, if anything, have just one tag and that's an A. If you look at all the tags for 
deer, most are A. If there is a B, the only way you can get that is in a secondary draw, and there's no way for that. You know, there might be. There's a little always games to play, but uh, for the most part, it is mostly going to be a buck and a doe tag that you can get. But you're going to have to travel for that most likely. So uh, there's some strategery there, and there's always different options and exceptions all over that. So don't heart me on that. But uh, the list A that is primarily your buck tag and a B tag is going to be primarily a doe tag. So pay attention to that. And there's even doe, many, many doe tags that are list A. So you only get one of those. Uh, chronic wasting disease is a thing in Colorado. So uh, there's some states that require you to do testing with that or checking in the head. So look at the, if you're hunting in that GMU, you got to turn in that head. And then each one of these species starts with the ranching for wildlife tags. So I'm on 21. I'm going to pay, flip the page to 22. Then you'll see all the archery tags. Flip the page and you'll see all the muzzleloader tags. Then it gets to rifle. So each one of those columns there, we've got the unit all in order. And then we have the valid units for within that unit, that tag. And then you get the seasons and the animal, and the hunt code, and if that's a list A or B or C. So you find that that system, and then there's some different shading in there that you can kind of take a look at and see what that means. But for the most part, find your unit. Let's say just here's a random one, unit 15. Uh, in 15, I can only hunt unit 15, and I'm going to go there for the first season. Actually, that second, eh, is that first season? First season. I'm going to hunt a buck. So there's my hunt code and it's a list A. Flipping on to, uh, oh, and deer, they got whitetail only. There's your whitetail only units. And then in page 35, you get your elk. There's the seasons, some specific things there on uh, the new changes. For deer, there was no antler restriction, but on page 36, there is an antler restriction on elk. You can't just go shooting any old bull elk. They have to have a certain amount of points or certain time length. So uh, an antler point is something that's an inch long or longer. It has to have, the bull has to have uh, at least one brow tine that's five inches or longer, or it has to have four points on at least one side. And then there's some, some no restrictions areas as well. Next, you see the over-the-counter areas, the map, where you can get that over-the-counter license for antlerless, over-the-counter for antlered, flipping through, here's your elk. And then it just keeps going on to uh, elk, pronghorn, bear, moose, all those. So uh, that's about the, the rundown we get. Uh, if you look on the very last page, is game management unit for all the state. I like to, if you're confused on how the heck they got this numbered, start in the upper left corner and it goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then you can see where they interrupted uh, or they added these other big numbers, but that must've been a unit that was added later on. So you can see in, here's a good example of unit 94 north of Denver, 94 and then over a couple is 95. They added 951 in there. 
So they had to come up with another number because it's going to be 94 and a half. So uh, that just a little helps you navigate that map a little quicker if you are looking through that. So uh, I hope that I know that maybe it was a little boring, but a very important update to understanding the regulations in Colorado and uh, pick one up yourself. You got to read it. Don't hold me accountable. I'm just trying to help you out. Do not uh, say my name when I said, Hey, they said this and they said that. So um, that's, that's the, uh, the big game regulations. And so we'll continue on with the hunt planner next time. And uh, we're going to get a guest here this week and, and uh, do some other things to really uh, uh, bring some life to this podcast. Um, but that is part of your research is this understanding the regulations boring or not you got to know them you can't just show up here with your your gun wielding sending bullets all over the place you got to follow some regulations so hopefully that helps and uh uh prevents a, a whole lot of time weeding through some of that and there was some explanation but if you need me to cover any other parts of that specifically i'll gladly help uh send me an email thanks for listening <laughs>